Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. God develops well-formed maturity in you. I think you're all aware of the fact that this is Labor Day weekend. It's a holiday that our country has celebrated for over 100 years, a holiday that honors work, a holiday that also invites us to take a break from our work and to reflect on Uh, the value of our jobs, our labor, our careers. From a believer's perspective, as we reflect together on Scripture, I would suggest that this holiday can challenge us to do a variety of things. For example, uh, this holiday is a reminder that the ability to work is a gift from God. Our jobs, our careers, our skill sets, all of those are a gift from God. And so we respond with thanksgiving. It may seem like a strange scripture to choose, but I love the words of Psalm 104. The lions roar for their prey, and they seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. And then the psalmist says, people get up and go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. The earth is full of the incredible gifts that God has given us. The ability to work is a gift from God. This holiday can also challenge us, as the Apostle Paul words it, to work as though we were working for the Lord. You know the language of Colossians chapter 3, whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And so on this Labor Day weekend, for those of you who are still working outside the home, those of you working inside the home, an even greater challenge perhaps, let me challenge all of us to commit our work to the Lord, to serve as if we were serving the Lord because we are and to ask God to bless our work. I love the way one writer puts it. God's concern isn't just that we do holy things. God's concern is that we become holy people, and we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago in another context. Or as the ancient church father Thomas Aquinas put it even centuries ago, God works at the heart of all activity. Unfortunately, we tend to view life in categories, and so we talk about church and work and play and family to the point that we often make a distinction between what is sacred and what is secular. No, God works 
in all activities. God is at the heart of all activities. To use Aquinas' language again, all activity is sacred. That's one reason I love the way that we have framed our mission and value statements at Monterey. If you will recall, our mission statement says very simply, love God, love others. The implication of loving God is that we do that with heart, soul, mind, and strength in everything that we are about. And so when we begin to talk about our values, we have stated we pursue a culture marked by worship, belonging, presence, sacrifice, and discipleship specifically related to worship. Our value statement says our response to God's grace is to worship with heart, soul, mind, and strength in a world that worships power and image and wealth, we submit our lives to God, listen carefully, offering our work, our play, and our rest as living sacrifices to God. And our value statement references that Romans 12 text I read a moment ago from the message that we're called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. That is our spiritual worship before God, a recognition that all of life is worship. And when we grab hold of that, then it affects how we look at everything, including our work. We no longer see work as just something that is tedious or perhaps boring and monotonous. And then thirdly, this holiday, I think, should challenge us, again, as we reflect on Scripture, to lengthen our vision of our jobs, of our work, that long-range vision. Otherwise, again, we may tend to talk about our jobs as being boring and monotonous. I've got to get up and go to work again. A long-range vision means that we see our work as an opportunity to bless our families, to bless others, and maybe most importantly, an opportunity to bear witness to the Lord. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4 said, make it, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you'll not be dependent on anybody. And so we talk about all of our different jobs, all of our different careers, the multitude of jobs represented in this room this morning. It is the teacher who's willing to spend extra time with students, a doctor who goes the extra mile to care for patients, the volunteer who is remembered for the sacrifice of time and energy, the police officer who cares deeply for the needs in the neighborhood that he or she patrols. Whatever your job is, you have access to the ears and hearts of people that the rest of us may not have access to. And so whatever your job is, do it to the glory of God. But above all today, in the midst of all of those comments, and we could spend a lot of time exploring all of those directions, above all today, I want you to think about the word noise. The word that you see on the front of your bulletin. Uh, the word that was on the screen uh, is, is there again. I want you to think about the word noise. We live in a busy, noisy world where not only is it difficult to be silent, but a busy, noisy world where it is difficult to find the right balance, to engage in the appropriate disciplines, the appropriate rhythms of life the rhythms of work and rest and, and play, the, the disciplines of prayer and silence and solitude. Still one of the most monumental works on the idea of labor is a book simply titled Working 
uh, initially published 20 years ago by Studs Terkel. It has been edited, revised in the interim, but an amazing book. I want you to notice how he begins. He says, this book, being about work, is by its very nature about violence. And I feel like I need to pause with a footnote there. I want to continue what he says about work, but I want to remind us as well that we live in a world that is filled with violence. Life is often filled with violence. In fact, we are reminded practically every day we live. And so news of shootings in the Midland, Odessa area yesterday, shootings that occur on almost a daily basis in other parts of our country, life is filled with violence. And if we tailor make that and think about even the challenges of work, Turkle says work by its very nature is about violence to the spirit as well as to the body. It is about ulcers as well as accidents, about shouting matches as well as fistfights, about nervous breakdowns. It is about daily humiliations. To survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded among the great many of us. The blue-collar blues is no more bitterly sung than the white-collar moans. Now, if we were talking about the challenges that we face in the workplace, we could talk about a lot of challenges. We could talk about the lack of integrity, the lack of honesty, absenteeism, folks who don't put in a day's work for a day's pay. In that respect, I would remind us that even the word vocation originally meant a calling. And so this idea again, that all work is a gift from God, that we are called. And so no matter what your job is, see it as a calling from God to honor God and to bless other people. But rather than going in that direction, today again, I simply want you to hear the word noise. Thus the quote from Turkle's book, the daily challenges of work, the stress, the weariness, the ulcers. Statistics tell us that the average work week for Americans who work full-time consists of 47 hours. According to the Wall Street Journal, the average work week for a CEO consists of about 55 hours. Interesting article in the Harvard, Harvard Business Review about five years ago that was titled, Welcome to the 72-Hour Workweek. Opening lines of the article, how many hours do you think the average American professional works each week? If you think 40, 50, or even 60, think again. For many, 72 hours is the new norm. In a survey of 483 executives, managers, and professionals, they found that 60%, listen carefully, 60% of those who carry smartphones for work are connected to their jobs 13 and a half or more hours a day on weekdays and about, and about five hours on weekends, total of about 72 hours. That may or may not be true for you, but again, the reality is we live in a world that is filled with noise, where it's so easy to be consumed by our work, where it's more and more difficult to slow down, to find moments of rest and silence and solitude, where marriages and families and physical health and mental health are often neglected. I love Ruth Bailey, uh, Ruth Haley Barton's work titled Sacred Rhythms, Arranging Our Lives for Spiritual Transformation. There are chapters on solitude and scripture and prayer and self-examination. One of her chapters is titled Sabbath, Establishing Rhythms of Work and Rest. She talks about the importance of Sabbath. In fact, to use her language, the importance of recreation. 
And I want you to think about that word for just a moment because typically we pronounce it recreation. But the reality is for many of us, I'll only confess for me, even when we are engaged in recreation, we still work at it so hard that we don't take time to recreate. Recreation, rest for the body, replenishing the spirit, restoring the soul, Sabbath. And Sabbath may look different for each of us. For some people, a long walk is work. For others, it's just what the doctor ordered. For some people, gardening will be a chore. I'm in that mix. While for others, it fills their souls with joy. For some people, reading a book is laborious. For others, it is heaven on earth. And so, church, what are those activities that refresh your spirit as you focus on God's gifts in your life? And by the way, this idea of Sabbath, this idea of rest... God himself is the example. God is the one who set Sabbath into motion, this rhythm of work and rest, those sacred rhythms of life. God is the example. And so the question is, do we slow down long enough to hear the heartbeat of God? Do we slow down long enough to find the appropriate rhythms in our lives? In fact, I've got two other questions as you ponder that thought. Uh, the first two minutes of silence right before I came up this morning, and it may have seemed shorter, it may have seemed longer. Those two minutes of silence, what were you thinking about during those two minutes? What was going through your head? I heard a lot of rustling, but what was going through your head? Uh, did Barry forget he was supposed to preach? Uh, somebody else supposed to preach? Uh, Joey keeps bringing stuff out. What's up with that? Or did you use those two moments to take a deep breath and to reflect upon the heartbeat of God? Second, what's the purpose of a metronome? Those of you who have any kind of musical background can give me an easy answer to that one. The purpose of a metronome is to keep time, to keep everyone on the same beat. And so for just a moment, think about God as the metronome of our lives. That God has established these sacred rhythms. And that God certainly talks about the value of work, but God also talks about the value of rest. And God talks about the value of play. And as we honor the heartbeat of God, as we listen to and reflect the heartbeat of God, then we find those sacred rhythms of life. Unfortunately, the reality in our world is we often step away from God as if God's heartbeat isn't what matters. And so I find, uh, I find another heartbeat. may look a lot like the heartbeat of God, and yet there's so much noise going on that suddenly we've got, we've got all sorts of clutter. And we find no order. We find no rhythm. And so we keep looking 
uh, this one's probably a few years old, but good night. It has a, a cord on it. So if I'll just plug this one in, maybe I'll find the right, the right power source for life. And so we start looking in all sorts of directions, trying to find. And all the while, God has said, would you just slow down long enough to listen to my heartbeat? Don't change the speed. Don't go looking for something else as the source of meaning in your life. Just slow down long enough. Slow down long enough to hear the heartbeat of God. There's incredible power in what we typically describe as the spiritual disciplines, prayer and fasting and silence and solitude. And so today, as we begin the month of September, school's back in session, families are back in the routines of life. Even at church, all sorts of things are gearing up as we hit the fall season. And so as we begin September, I want us to recognize there's incredible value in the discipline of silence of slowing down in order to hear the heartbeat of God. I love the writings of Thomas Kelly. Part of the Quaker movement, he died in 1941 at a relatively young age. He wrote a collection of essays that were pulled together in a little book after his death entitled A Testament of Devotion. It has become a spiritual classic. Five compelling essays that urge us to center our lives on God's presence, to find quiet and stillness within modern life. I want you to listen to a couple of paragraphs. He says, the problem we face today needs very little introduction. Our lives in a modern city grow too complex and overcrowded. Even the necessary obligations which we feel we must meet grow overnight like Jack's Beanstalk. And before we know it, we're bowed down with burdens, crushed under committees, strained, breathless, and hurried, passing through a never-ending program of appointments. We feel honestly the pull of many obligations, and we try to fulfill them all, and we are unhappy, uneasy, strained, depressed, and fearful that we shall be shallow. We have hints that there is a way of life vastly richer and deeper than all of this hurried existence, a life of unhurried serenity and peace and power, if only, he says, we could slip over into that center. We've seen and known some people who have found this deep center of living where the fretful calls of life are integrated, where no as well as yes can be said with confidence. Echoing that same sentiment, Henry Nouwen said, a life without a lonely place, that is, without a quiet center, becomes destructive. He added, solitude helps us not be controlled by the compulsiveness of our world. The discipline of silence. And so I want us to take a couple of additional minutes this morning to simply be quiet before God. In the midst of the noise of life, even in the midst of noise in a gathering of people, for us to practice that discipline of taking a deep breath and being silent and listening to God's heartbeat. Whatever's comfortable for you, closing your eyes, bowing your heads, but let's be quiet before God for a couple of moments.
the discipline of silence, the practice of silence, simply pausing in the midst of busy, busy lives may be a great way to begin your day, simply being silent before God, may be a great way to close your day, simply being silent before God, or maybe in the midst of a chaotic, busy life on Tuesday morning, Thursday afternoon, to just pause and to be quiet and to again hear the heartbeat of God. And in doing so, we discover again the presence of God. To use the language of those two writers, we slip over into that center where God reorients. Let me invite the band and the praise team to come ahead and join me on the stage. I want to close this morning by sharing a prayer with you from Philip Morrison that speaks to me. And then at the close of that prayer, I'd like for us to take another 30, 45 seconds of silence and to challenge all of us to give our hearts and our lives to God today. It may be you dropping to a knee where you are. It may be you bowing your head and reaffirming your commitment to God. We'll have shepherds here at the front. It may be that we can pray for you, bless you in some way in your journey of faith. Begin the value of simply being quiet. And so would you bow with me and hear these words. Dear God, I know that you don't like laziness, procrastination, anything which robs people of productive lives. And you also dislike the workaholic compulsion which drives people to unbalanced living. And so, God, help me to keep my equilibrium, to know there's a time for everything, to keep my work, my play, my rest in perspective. I pray that you will make my work count. Let it be more than fulfilling a duty, putting in the hours, collecting a paycheck, chasing after the wind. Let it bring satisfaction to my ambitions, peace to my soul, benefit to my brothers and sisters, glory to my God. Help me to remember always the foundations others have laid on which I am building, the foundations I am laying on which others will build. Help me to remember that I do not work in a vacuum. I am not a loner. I am part of a team, a family, a history with purpose and direction. And so thank you, God, for those sacred rhythms of life. Thank you, God, for meaningful work for the income it produces, for the satisfaction it gives, for the good it does. Give me the strength to work, for the night comes when work is done. And may we be silent again before our God.